into our, uh, our series on the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at several months of things that the Holy Spirit should produce in your life. Uh, we looked at the gifts of the Spirit. We looked at tongues and the believer. Uh, and oh, for the last, I think we're on week number six now, on, on, on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, how many of you seen your, have noticed in yourself when things go on, you're thinking, oh, I'm coming up short here. At least I had one person raise their hand. Now, I had a few head nods, okay? I had one throw her hand up. <laughs> you know, and it never fails that when you learn these things of what the Holy Spirit should be producing, uh, that when we get into it, we're thinking, man, alive, I blow that a lot. And so we just want to continue on today and look at those. So let's go to our text, Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, now again, that says fruit, not fruits. I cringe every time I hear somebody say fruits. This is not multiple fruits. You, you, Holy Spirit doesn't produce a bunch of different things. He produces one thing, and all of these things should be part of that. It's like if I, if I opened an orange here and I gave you a piece of it, you wouldn't say you ate an orange. What you'd say is you had a piece of an orange. And so all of these are actually pieces of the same fruit. It's a pieces of what he should be producing in our life. Because when we start saying, well, it's fruits, we start feeling like, well, it's okay. I really didn't want a grape today. But I'll eat the orange. I'll, I'll do good over here, but if I'm bad over here, no. Same Holy Spirit lives in you. Same Holy Spirit should be producing all of these things in you. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit <coughs> is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That one was fun. Gentleness goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. He says, now look, he says, if you will operate in these things, he says, against such there is no law. In other words, there's no law that can be held against you if you'll just allow yourself to be these, to do these. Why? Because then you're looking out for everybody else. How many of you found out that most of what this is is how we deal with other people? He says, and against such there is no law. Verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and its lusts. See, here, this is another thing people say, well, i got to keep crucifying. No, you've, you've crucified the flesh. Your flesh has been crucified. What you're trying to do is drag it down and re revive it when we, follow, when we start finding ourselves doing the opposite of these things. He says, but those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its, uh, with its affections and lusts. Verse 25. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. Now again, I, I want to, I'm going to stress, stress this until we finish this series. There is a difference between living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Yeah. If there wasn't, he wouldn't have made that difference there. There's a lot of us, living in the Spirit, Galen, is just simply us, our salvation. It's what we have every day. Every day you get up, you're living in the Spirit. That's where we live now. We're part of the spiritual kingdom. Pastor Ted's been doing a great job teaching that over the last couple of years. We're part of a spiritual kingdom. And so that's where we live. That's just who we are. But there's a difference in walking in the Spirit. See, when I walk in the Spirit, that means that he and I have now decided that we're going in the same direction, and my direction should produce in my life the same thing 
it produces in him what he wants. That where my footsteps and his footsteps, you can't tell the difference where they are. Oh, come on. That everything that he would produce. So here's, here's the problem. I think a lot of times what we do is we have uh, shown people a very negative picture of, of Jesus, of God, of Holy Spirit. All three one, right? We've shown them a very negative picture. And because we've become not gentle and we've become not loving and we've become not joyful and we've become all these things and so when they look now at us they look at God and they say well that must be what God is like if that's what his representation is like that must be what he is like mm. so let me ask you this thinking of that what if the way you handle the next situation with a person that comes up how are they going to walk away seeing God and what you reacted? How are they going to walk away seeing God and how you reacted? You say, well, I don't believe... This is all about somebody else. Go to Galatians chapter 6. I believe I can just do what I need to do and it, God will be okay with it and I'll just ask forgiveness. Here, here's the one that covers us all the time, Sally. I'll ask forgiveness later. <laughs> I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to ask forgiveness later. He says, be not, uh, make no, uh, from the Passion Translation, Galatians 6, uh, 7, I started to quote to you King James, but we'll go with the Passion. He says, make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Bless you. For what you plant will always be, what you put out is always what's going to return in your life. What you plant, you don't plant tomatoes and expect a watermelon. So why do we think that we can sow all this stuff out of our flesh, our anger, our hatred, our bitterness, our vileness, and we expect all the blessings of God to come back? He says, no, for the exact same thing that you plant will be the very thing that you harvest. Go, go ahead <laughs> to verse 8. The harvest you reap reveals the seed you, that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. Amen. Destruction. He said, but if you plant good seeds in the spirit life, you will reap a beautiful fruit, fruit, and that grow from everlasting life of the Spirit. Amen. Now, if you're reading King James Version, it says eternal life. That word is actually zoe. It means the God kind of life. So what God wants you to do, he wants you to live his kind of life. Yeah. Living like him, being like him. And how the only way I can be like him is, go back to Galatians 5, is when I am walking in love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. When I walk in these things, then I, what I'm doing is I'm sowing into the Spirit. And from the Spirit, I will reap the God kind of life. So today we want to move on. Last week we looked at gentleness. And today I want to look at goodness. How should the Holy Spirit produce goodness in my life? Well, 
goodness is not really a good interpretation of this word here. Um, if you're using different interpretations, you, they probably have it better. Um, Thayer's Dictionary uh, says of, of Thayer's Dictionary of, of, of goodness says it's uprightness of heart and life. It's goodness, but ultimately it's kindness. That's the, that's the big one. That's what it focuses on is kindness. So what should Holy Spirit be producing in your life? It should make you kind. Amen. Now I'm going to be real transparent here, okay? I can struggle real easy with this one. Because I'm not always kind. How do you know? <laughs> I, I, I know I'm not. You know, I'm not. And I, know, I, know, I know what Brent meant. Uh, two Brents are alike. I can't help it. Um, I, can, I can struggle with this. And, and because the way my brain works, and I can, I can really have to fight being kind. And now, I know you probably never see it, but you don't know what I'm thinking all the time. <laughs> what I think a lot is not always what you see. Amen? So what I have to work on is understanding what kindness really is, and I have to allow Holy Spirit to make me kind. So Webster's, let's look at the word kindness, because that's what we're going to focus on today, because that's the best definition of that word is actually kindness. So Webster says this about kindness. It's goodwill. It's benevolence. It is that temper or disposition which delights in contributing to the happiness of others. Now, if I'm going to allow Holy Spirit to work in my life, he is, I've got to allow him to use me to contribute to the happiness of others. Yeah. See, all, all this stuff, and, and I hope you're figuring out by now, it's really not how I deal with myself. It's all how I deal with somebody else. Because my job is to bring them to, 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 to know Jesus. My job is to bring them so that they will accept the salvation that he's already given them. My job is to let them know that how much he loves them and appreciates them. But if I'm not kind, they will see that he's not, they'll believe that he's not kind. Yeah. And so kindness is that part of me that wishes and, and, and strives for the happiness of others. Yeah. You say, well, I don't really care about the happiness of others. Well, then we need to work on some kindness. Then we need to start uh, tilling our garden a little bit. Time to pull some weeds up. Time to get some things out of the way and start saying, okay, what does kindness do? Kindness delights in contributing to the happiness of others. He says, that which is exercised cheerfully and gratifying their wishes. You mean God really cares how I deal with granting somebody else's wishes? Yep. Yep. We say it all the time when we talk about money. God loves a cheerful, a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful person who wants to help and sees the need in someone else and it finds delight in giving them that need. Oh, is that us? Or are we just as easy just to sit back and say, I hate that for you. Stinks to be you. Well, you know what? You got yourself in this mess. Have fun getting yourself out, you know, because I can't wait. I can't see. See, these are all things that we, we struggle with. Now, these aren't kind. Kindness delights itself 
in, in contributing to the happiness of others. Kindness, it actually looks and cheerfully is exercised when we help gratify somebody else's wishes. You ready? It gets better. Pastor David means supplying their wants or alleviating their distresses. Kindness means your whole goal, your whole, everything about Dennis is I want to know how I can make his life easier. What can God, how can God use me to make their life better? And I'm telling you, if, 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 if the body of Christ would actually turn around and start taking this mindset. Remember the word says, while we were of no use to God, he still gave his only son. He gratified, he gave us something that we needed when we didn't even want it. The word says that Christ died for us. The message translation of that in Romans says, while we were of no use to him whatsoever, he, he died for us. So we need to come to the point where we keep saying, well, you know what, I, that's them. That, whatever's they got going on, that's just on them. But see, if I want the Holy Spirit to use me, I need to be the person who's looking around saying, God, who can I bless today? Who can I be a help to? How can I make their life easier? How can I bring joy to them? How can I satisfy their wishes? How can I be a, something that causes them to smile a little more? Man, I tell you what, if a church would act like this, we wouldn't have to be begging people in the door. Yeah. But it's gratifying their wishes. You said, but God really doesn't want, what if their wishes are bad? You've got to use sense. Alright? He goes on to say, kindness, it ever accompanies love. Here's the rest of the definition. It's unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the well-being of another. This is kindness. This is what Holy Spirit should be producing in you. It should be producing a place in you where it a draw to you, how can I help? How can I bless? How can I be a blessing? Not what can I get out of this, but how can I be a blessing to so-and-so, to anyone? You know, the Hebrew word in, for God's covenant and kindness was chesed. Uh, and it, it, it C-H-E-S-E-D, if you look, want to write it down. But it means an attitude or an attribute of grace, benevolence, mercy, or compassion. And literally it refers to the voluntary compulsion to give and to love without limit. Those who have no merit. To love without limit those who may not be putting anything into my life. Well, it's easy to do it for our family. It's easy to do this for my kids. You know, they, I have, they have merit to me. They, they, they mean something to me. They value, I have value. But what happens if I walk down the street and it's somebody I don't know? With a needle still stuck in an arm. Well, 
where's my compassion, my voluntary compulsion to say, I've got to help. I've got to meet that need. I've got to find out what they need. Why, why are they even there in the first place? It's so easy to push somebody off. It's so easy to say, hey, you know what, that's them, that's their issue. You know, they'll, they'll, when they decide to get over it, they'll get over it. But where's the kindness in that? Where's the ones who are going to say, I have to be Jesus to these people right now. I have to be what God needs to them. And my kindness is going to mean I'm going to give up everything of my life to make sure that their life becomes easier. That I'm going to give of myself so, well, you can't give everything away. Somebody should have told Jesus that. When the word says that he left all his glory, wrapped himself in a skin suit, came down here to hang out, all for you. And, he, and you weren't even born. You weren't a thought in nobody's mind then. And we did it just for you. So when we look at kindness, this, that Hebrew word, kesed, it, it's that voluntary compulsion to give and to love without limit those who have no merit. It means that, the, now the Greek word is krastos. And it's an attribute, attribute sorry, of goodness, graciousness, kindness. It and is an action towards someone to furnish what is needed. So when we're talking about kindness, folks, we're not talking about just a sweet word and a pat on the back. We're talking about Harvest House. We're talking about other things that are, that are coming into view of how here I just drop a little bit on you right now that's something that I've been praying about for the last couple weeks and Jim Johnson and I sat in my office this week and had a, had a conversation and I'm like alright God Harvest House is good, it's established what's our next step how else do we reach our community, what's our next thing, what makes the most logical sense to connect those two to connect Harvest Health into something else so that we can continue to bless our community. Well, they don't, you all, your church hasn't grown at all from Harvest House. We're not doing it to grow a church. Amen. And the next thing we get into, we're not doing it to grow a church either. We're not trying to grow a church. We're trying to be Jesus. We're not trying to get everybody in here. We're trying to be God on this earth and show people that we will bless them without limit. That we're going to bless them whether they mean anything to us or not. But we know they mean something to us. You know? Folks, I'm telling you. Kindness is this compulsion that says, I've got... Man, can you imagine if a body of Christ would start having a compulsion where we're just compelled to help? We're compelled to love. We're compelled to meet their needs. We're compelled to bless them in any way. You imagine what would happen. You would turn an area on its ear for God if we would just get a compulsion to be kind. I'm telling you, there's big things that God wants to do. What is kindness? In my opinion, kindness is a call 
to be godlike. Go. Kindness is a call to be godlike. It's a heartfelt desire to meet the needs of others. If you've never been involved with Harvest House and you've never seen people who have nothing be able to come in and get things, you won't understand this yet. So let me encourage you to get involved. But when we get ready to make another step, we're going to find somewhere else. The next logical step to meet the needs, it's just, a, I just want to do it. Michael, I don't care what it is, I just want to do it. Yeah, but what, what, what will it cost you? Who cares what it costs me? See, we, 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 we worried about what we could afford way too long. <laughs> he gave it to give it away. I like that. So when are we going to be compelled to do? I know, I, this is one of those ones, I know. Go to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. I love these verses. He says, but let him who glories, glory in this. So in other words, here's what you should be glor glorying in. That he understands and knows me. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises what? Loving kindness, justice and righteousness in the earth for these things I in these things I delight. So what does he delight in? Loving kindness. So if we're going to glory, we're not going to glory in how great everything is. We're not going to glory in how pretty everything is. And there's nothing wrong with having pretty stuff. But we're not going to glory with how, what kind of numbers you're running. We're not going to glory in all these things. What we're going to glory in is the fact that we know God and we know that He is a God that exercises loving kindness. And we are going to do everything within our power to be this kind to the community, to the people around us. Listen, you don't have to wait on the church to do this. Start doing it now. Start allowing this kindness to come. Well, I don't know if I'm that kind. Yeah, you are. You have Holy Spirit inside of you. He's ready. He's producing this. He's pulling it out of you right now. You can be this kind. He says, glory in this, that you understand and know me, that I am a ex Lord who exercises in loving kindness. Go to Luke chapter 6. It's not going to be a long message today. Because kindness is just... So simple. But why does it seem so hard? Why do we, why do we struggle doing it? Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Look what he says. But love your enemies. Shake the snow globe and let it sit. Love your enemies. Say it again. Just for Karen. Love your enemies. He said, love your enemies and do good. And what? Lend, hoping for nothing in return. We're not looking to see what I can get. See, if I'm walking in kindness, I'm going to give to, to have her just because she is her. And I see God in her, and I want to bless her, and I want to contribute to her happiness. Well, what if she doesn't give anything back to you? That's not why I do it. That's not why Jesus... Oh, 
It's not why Jesus died for us, hoping we would get he would we would have some crazy thing to give back to him. My goodness, what I have. You know? He, he said, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Then your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the highest, for he is kind. Who's he kind to? The unthankful. Well, they didn't even say thank you. I did this great big thing for them, and they didn't even say thank you. Well, did you do it for thanks, or did you do it because it was compulsion from God? See, a lot of times we won't do it because they, we're afraid they won't say thank you. They won't recognize what I did. No, maybe it's just time that we just decide that we are going to start meeting people's needs, looking for nothing in return, kind of like Jesus did. That we are going to be kind to the unthankful and the evil. Yeah. Well, but we want to just make sure we get... Oh, this is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> we want to make sure that everybody just gets bombarded with words and, and, and deeds and do this and will shove everything in their face. And what if they never turn to God? What if they don't? Who's he, who's he kind to? The unthankful and the... You mean God expects us to be kind to the evil? Yes. Yes, he does. But they don't even know he doesn't care. Oh, come on. See, we get this idea, and, 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 and it's such a misinterpreted scripture. Me and Bob talk about it all the time. We laugh about it. Well, it rains on the just and the unjust like rain's a bad thing. You know he was talking to farmers there, right? He was talking to farmers. Rain was a good thing. <laughs> won't sing it. Some of you waiting on it, wouldn't you? He, rain was a good thing. He said, listen, it rains on the just and the... In other words, God doesn't hold his goodness back. He doesn't hold his kindness back from anybody. So for those who love him to those who don't, he still pours out kindness. And I'm encouraging you today, whether you get anything back, whether somebody gives back to you or not, whether they acknowledge you, whether they say thank you, and whether they ever, ever, ever touch the door of this place, that you're still kind. That you're still giving. That you're still alleviating their needs. That you're still meeting them in their distresses. This is the kindness of God. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> Verse 32. I want to read this out of the Passion. It says, but instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another. Folks, the word is full of how we should treat people. And what's sad is I see so much in the church that don't treat people this way. They don't. And I'm like, no wonder. No wonder they don't try to follow Christ. No wonder they don't get on board with us. Come on. 
He said, but instead be kind and affectionate one toward another. As God has graciously forgiven you, has God graciously forgiven you, then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me, Pastor. No matter. You, you, you listen, holding on to the mess, you're not doing nothing but holding yourself in the trap. You're not holding them in a the trap. You need to release yourself. If you've been forgiven, he said, and the way God forgave you, let me tell you, I know what kind of person I was like. Listen, I know what kind of person I was like. I know what I was. I know that people looked at my wife and said, I can't believe you're marrying him. He's evil. I'm not joking. Is that what they told you? They were afraid of me. I don't get it. But I'm a different man. But I know what I was. And I know how much I've been forgiven. And I know what he did when he forgave me. And how dare I not offer the same forgiveness to someone else. I'm not worthy of this forgiveness if I can't turn around and give it back. If I can't offer this forgiveness to Brent, I'm not worthy of it myself. But he, he, he didn't judge me on my worthiness. He said, I'm going to forgive you whether you like it or not. I'm going to go to the cross whether you like it or not. Yeah. I'm going to take sin whether you like it. It ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah. And now he turns around and he's looking at each and every one of you today and myself. And he said, will you forgive somebody else the same way I forgave you? Yeah. And you say, Pastor, that is hard. Yeah. And this is why this is called maturity. Yeah. This is why it's called spiritual growth. That's why it's called the meat of the word. When it's hard to swallow and it's hard to chew. And I might have to take it home and just crunch on it a while. Amen. And he said, offer the same forgiveness. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 9. I'm going to read this out of the Passion too. He said, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything good and virtuous. Okay, I'm going to put on my good Christian mask. I may talk to my spouse like a dog, but man, when we come in church, put on the good mask. I may not be able to stand Dave over here, but man, when we're in church, I'm going to put on a good mask. God's right now asking y'all to just give, asking all of us, yeah. give up the mask and to love genuinely. But you don't know what they did to me, okay? But I've been forgiven much, so he's, I've got to forgive them much. Yeah. And when I forgive them, I'm going to love them genuinely. And when I love them genuinely, I'm going to love them with kindness. And if I love them with kindness, I'm going to say, okay, I know what they did to me. I know how bad he hurt me, but how can I bless him? How can I be a blessing? How can I alleviate his distress? How can I help him in his need? How can I be Jesus to him even more? 
because I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive him just the way I was forgiven. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And be devoted tenderly, lovingly, to tenderly, lovingly your fellow believers as members of one family. Now, I love this. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor to one another. Can you imagine... <laughs> you imagine walking in a church that looks like that? Where we're trying to outdo each other and how good we are to each other? Can you imagine tripping over each other just to be the one to show kindness? Just to be the one to show love? That we're trying to always outdo each other and be better to each other and, and to say, oh, well, oh, yeah, well, you was good to me, but watch how, watch how much I'm going to be good to you. Well, why are you doing this? Because God's, it's just in me. It's a compulsion. I'm compelled to do it. The love of God had been set abroad in my heart, and I am driven to love like he loved. And I am going to, uh, imagine, over, try to outdo each other in love and honor. I want to go back to that verse in a few minutes, Bobby, so just be ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, from the message. He said, but the point is not just to get by. We want to live well. But our four, you heard the West Virginia come out right there, didn't you? <laughs> our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. The point is not to just get by, but to live well. But our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. Now think about that. With the scripture we just read, where we're trying to outdo each other in love and honor. And though our, to live well is tied directly into making me, me making you live better. Making your life better. Making your life easier. Folks, this is a church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church that does this. When its people produce this kind of kindness, this is the kind that changes areas. I'm talking, it changes areas. I had a statement say to me, I guess I'm on the church today, so have fun. Uh, I had a statement one time said to me, and, and, and it, it's been the, the, it was the driving factor of as soon as somebody asked me if we wanted to start a harvest house before they even got theirs up and before is Glenn before Glenn and Bernie ever got theirs up and started he said listen I want to help you get started he hadn't even started his own yet he was still working for IBM then and I said yes and I came back and I told our board said this is what I feel like we need to do and it took a while and they caught a vision Alana caught a vision and she jumped on it said I'll run it Good, because as pastor, I don't have time to run everything. That's why God gives people gifts and talents and skills. So, but the statement was this, Brent. They said, if your church closed tomorrow, 
would your community even miss it? And that became one of the deepest things in my heart. I said, we have to figure out what to do to where the, if harvest wasn't here, that it would make a loss in the community. And I think we did it. If you don't, if you don't believe me, you should have been over there with Sally the other day when a group came in. You should see the emails that come in all the time. That they know harvest is here because of harvest. So now, what I'm just telling you is get ready. I'm laying vision in front of you right now, I guess. You can tell what's been on my heart, Shayla. Is what's our next step? We're going to show kindness. We're going to be godlike. And I'm encouraging you in your own families, in your own relationships, to do the same thing. He says, but the point is not just to get by. We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. Folks, if we can move in this direction, you imagine what can happen. I want to leave you with this scripture and then I'm going to go back. Go to Philippians chapter 2. I want to read this out of the message again because I just love the way that paraphrase puts things. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. This is our instructions, folks. It's our instructions for our own lives, Sally, for our individual lives. He says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. This is kindness. And when we can see that this has become our person, that this is just who we are, we'll know that we're walking in the Spirit. We'll know that we're walking in there, not just living. Go back to that one I said we were going to read again. Was it 1 Corinthians 10? 24, wasn't it? He said, but the point is not to just get by. But our first and foremost effort is to help have others live well. Romans, okay, go to, thank you, sir. Romans 12, verse 9, out of the Passion. Let the inner movement of your heart be to love one another. Do you know, folks, I'm, I'm going to brag on this church. Do you know how many times I've, I've, I've had people come here and walk in and they said, well, we just came to visit. But then they just fell in love. So we didn't want to go nowhere else. And it's because you all. It's because you're starting to let this stuff out. It's love. We're going to love them no matter what. No matter where they're at. No matter what they're going through. No matter how bad it gets. Well, what if they don't love us back? That ain't got nothing to do with how I love them. <laughs> so this is where we're at. Let the inner movement of your heart be to love one another. Never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted 
tender, loving your fellow, tenderly loving your fellow believers as one family. Try to outdo each other in respect and honor to another. I read a story about a monastery that had uh, basically fallen on hard times. At one time, it was the biggest monastery in its area, thriving, people in and out all the time. Its grounds were, well, over the years, they had drifted off to have, they only had five monks living there. And no one ever came. Every now and then, you'd have somebody come out, but it was basically dead. And so there was a hermit in their town and they decided, to said, let's go ask the hermit because we, they believe he's a prophet. Let's go ask him what we can do to bring life back into the monastery. So they go to the hermit and they said, hermit, we just want to ask you, this is what's going on, this is where we're at, how can we fix this? And he looked at him and said, I'm sorry, I can't, help, I can't tell you that. He said, but what I can tell you is one of you is an apostle. He said, one of you is an apostle. And then he went back in his house, shut the door and left him alone. Well, as they would go back to the monastery, they, they, they were puzzled because they couldn't figure out who. And so they began to say, okay, surely he didn't mean Brother Richard. He's hateful. He's old. But what if he did mean him? Well, surely he didn't mean Brother Stephen. He, he's just, he, he's so hard-headed. He doesn't listen. He, he, he's so rule-based. And, and surely it's not, but what if it is him? Well, surely it didn't mean Brother Philip. He's about to die. I mean, he's old. But what if it was him? He said, well, it couldn't be me. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Out of fear of offending an apostle, they began to treat each other like the, the, the way they thought an apostle should be treated. Because they didn't know who the apostle was. And as they, kept, as they kept treating each other with honor and respect and trying to outdo each other, all of a sudden there was a unity that came to them. And within five years, their monastery was full again. Young men coming and wanting to be a part because they felt love. People would come to the gardens just to have picnics. People would come from all over because they created a different atmosphere. All because they didn't know who the apostle was. So they decided to treat everybody like they were. Can you imagine? Brent, just imagine what we can do. Go back to Romans 12. Is that what it was? Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil, embrace everything <laughs> that is good and virtuous. Look at this last one again. I'm going to read it again. Be devoted to tenderly loving who? Those in the house. As, as members of one family, 
try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor to one another. This is kindness. And if we can do this and get used to doing it with each other, get used to doing it with our spouses, get used to doing it with our kids, get used to life can be good. Because you know why? Galatians chapter 5 says this is the God kind of life. This is the Zoe. This is lit walking in the spirit. Life changing. It's really world changing. Ask Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, today I just glorify you and praise you. Thank you for the opportunity to stand before you. Thank you for the opportunity to bring in a simple, simple message of kindness. So, Father, we just thank you and bless you. We ask that you just continue to work with our hearts. Open us up wide, Lord, that we can be just like you, living the God life. In Jesus' name.